electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now on Last Call, a regional bank beatdown or a mountain of debts turning bad. We're going to show you what it might mean for your money. Oil intrigue, a surprise move by the Saudis, raising big questions on what may be next for prices. If you can dream it, you can do it. Ferrari pulling off a once unthinkable feat. Call it the Taylor Swift effect. A wave of unexpected brands look to flood this year's Super Bowl. Plus, a whole new vision. Apple's Vision Pro hitting stores tomorrow. Does it justify the steep price tag? We put one to the test. All that and more over the hour in real life. And last call is up right now. Well, good evening here and good afternoon at West. I am Brian Sullivan. We've got all of that and more coming up in our hour, including our very fun first test of the Apple Vision Pro. We'll show that to you in a bit with Joanna Stern. But first up on last call today, call this the Super Bowl of tech earnings. More than $5 trillion in market cap just reported their results. Meta and Amazon, they're making you money right now. Apple, not so much. But here is an extraordinary stat to show off to all your friends. In total, just those three companies, Amazon, Apple, and Meta, made nearly $330 billion in quarterly revenue. That is more than the GDPs of Finland, Portugal, Greece, Qatar, and more. One quarter, $330 billion on pace for more than $1 trillion in sales in a year. Wow. So let's take a deeper dive into all these numbers in a moment. We'll get Steve Kovac on Apple's earnings, got Kate Rooney on Amazon, but we're going to begin with Julia Borston on Meta's monster quarter. And I think that is not TV hyperbole, Julia. Now, Meta did beat expectations across the board, accelerating revenue growth to 25% on better-than-expected user growth in every metric. They even guided to first-quarter revenue in a range ahead of analysts' expectations. And big news, Meta declared its first dividend, $0.50 per share. They also announced an additional $50 billion share buyback. CEO Mark Zuckerberg says this return of capital to shareholders stronger than expected profitability reflects Meta's year of efficiency and a focus on lean operations, which he wants to bring into this year. A big part of why I wanted to improve our profitability is to give ourselves the ability to go through what is a somewhat unpredictable and volatile period over the next five or 10 years. There are different risk factors that are you know, geopolitical or regulatory or, or different things, but also the technology landscape is somewhat unknown. And we want the ability to be able to surge investment. 
The one-week point, Meta's Reality Labs division had larger-than-expected losses of $4.6 billion. The company said Reality Labs' losses would increase meaningfully year-over-year, even as the division's revenue topped $1 billion for the first time. But Zuckerberg said that Quest 3 and Meta Ray-Ban sales are off to a strong start, and they see these new devices as combining AI and the metaverse, a combination that they see as very valuable to consumers. We've invested heavily in both AI and the metaverse for a long time, and we will continue to do so. These days, there are a lot of questions more about AI that I get, and that field is moving very quickly. But but I still expect that this next generation of AR, uh, VR, and MR computing platforms to deliver a realistic sense of presence that will be the foundation for the future of social experiences um, and almost every other category of experiences as well. And after last year's year of efficiency, this year the company isn't coming up with any taglines, or at least not yet, but they did reiterate the guidance of expenses of $94 billion to $99 billion in that range. And Zuckerberg and CFO Susan Lee talked about opportunities to use AI to make ads more effective, along with the potential in e-commerce and messaging ads. But one thing to note here, Brian, they won't be reporting monthly and daily active user numbers for Facebook in the future, just stats around engagement, ad, ad uh, prices, et cetera, and the family of apps. You know, we talked about this earlier. I hosted the one o'clock show, The Exchange, Julia, and it was like I, I was trying to understand what happened because Meta has been red hot the last year. But two years ago, it was dead money. I mean, it went from like, I think, 300 a share under 100 a share. What happened and what sparked this insane turnaround? Well, I would say what sparked the decline was a lot of concern about the money, money about the amount of money being invested in this reality labs or metaverse division. Concern that it was going to be a long time before those investments paid off. And also there was a lot of concern about the ad market in general. What we've seen in the past year is that Meta is outperforming its peers. There's this digital duopoly in digital advertising and Meta and Google. Google's ad revenue fell short of analyst expectations. Meta's outperformed. And a lot of the outperformance here comes from the way they're deploying AI to make the creation of ads, the targeting of ads, and the measurement of ads also more effective. Truly a remarkable quarter. Julia Borston, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, so for reaction on all of this, and I mean all of it because we're going to go around the horn, let's bring in the founder and president of EMJ Capital, Eric Jackson. He's going to do triple duty for us tonight as we plow through all these massive numbers. I mean, you know, listen, we have an editorial decision to make. We're like, should we lead with Amazon? Should we? That's my Max Myers voice. I'm kidding. Should we lead with, you know, what, with Apple? No, we're leading with Meta, Eric, because... It was not only a stunning quarter, but you have to admit a stunning turnaround. I guess it's because they're kind of abandoning or not abandoning, moving back away from the thing they changed their name to be. Well, if tonight's the Super Bowl of tech earnings, Brian, yeah, I agree. Meta is clearly the champs. And um, I, you know, I, I think you're right. I mean, it was a little over a year ago. They effectively had an activist investor, Brad Gerstner, nipping at their heels criticizing them for focusing too much on reality labs and not enough on their core business. And unlike some places like Disney, where they basically give the stiff arm to the activist investor, you have to credit Zuckerberg for basically saying, that makes sense. I'm going to focus on the core business. I'm going to turn this around. We are going to make some serious cash. You know, before tonight, you know, used to think of only NVIDIA 
and Microsoft in the Mag 7 as being the AI plays. But tonight is, is a different story. Meta is part of the AI mix. And it's not just about using, you know, you hear people say, buy the, buy the picks and shovels, like NVIDIA, you know, to make money from AI. Here is Meta using the picks and shovels to make money, increasing engagement, increasing ad conversion. And that's what investors love. Is there anything not to love? The market loves it. I'm not asking you to poke holes, but I'm kind of asking you to poke maybe a hole. I mean, there's got to be something in there that wasn't super great. Well, they did lose four and a half billion dollars this quarter on Reality Labs. And it's funny, everyone's reaction is, who cares? You know, this, this <laughs> when you're paying out a, you know, a, a four billion dividend a year, you're doing a 50 billion dollar stock buyback, you're making money hand over fist. We'll tolerate it. We'll, we'll deal with the four and a half billion loss in, in reality labs. Yeah, four point six billion and, and the market market yawned. I just did the math on that. That's fifty one point one million per day in losses on that. And nobody cared. Eric, we'll see you in a moment. Thank you very much. All right. Now let's go and pivot to Kate Rooney with more on Amazon's big quarter, because when we saw their revenue numbers, Kate, we just about fell out of our chairs. <laughs> Yeah, it's eye-popping, Brian. But two big themes are really coming out of Amazon's earnings today. First one, cost discipline, and then AI. The tech and e-commerce giant beat expectations pretty much across the board for the quarter. It was driven by strong holiday spending, and Amazon hit the mark on its all-important high-margin cloud business. That's Amazon Web Services. AWS grew 13% year-over-year, which was the reacceleration that Wall Street was really looking for. It was up from 12% last quarter, still not quite near the heyday of about 33% growth you saw Back in 2022, CEO Andy Jassy on the call saying that a lion's share of what's known as cost optimization, that's basically companies pulling back on some of their cloud spending, he says that is pretty much behind them. He said AWS and the pipeline remain strong. He went on offense when it came to artificial intelligence in that race against Microsoft and Google. Earlier today, Amazon announced a generative AI shopping assistant called Rufus and Jassy telling analysts on the call that AI will hit every part of the business. Gen AI is and will continue to be an area of pervasive focus and investment across Amazon, primarily because there are few initiatives, if any, that give us the chance to reinvent so many of our customer experiences and processes, and we believe it will ultimately drive tens of billions of dollars of revenue for Amazon over the next several years. You heard him, tens of billions in revenue, but also more costs. So capital expenditure is going to go up as a result of this generative AI demand, according to those executives. Elsewhere, though, he pointed to new advertising tiers on Prime Video and some positive momentum in Thursday night football. Ad revenue in the quarter grew 26 percent, bringing that close to $15 billion. Amazon got more profitable with its highest quarterly operating income ever. Operating margins were 7.8%. That was up from less than 2% a year ago. For North America, margins almost doubled. And then margins were negative there a year ago. And all of that spending, Brian, that Amazon did during COVID to increase its logistics footprint is now paying off for the tech giant. Back to you. And its investors. Kate Rooney, thank you very much. All right, so now let's go back to Eric Jackson, talk about Amazon and that monstrous quarter, because apparently, Eric, everybody is just sitting around buying stuff on Amazon all day. Or, or is, so I'll ask you this, is Amazon a giant retailer that's got a big computer arm, or is Amazon now a computer company that also happens to sell us stuff? Well, I think the concern going into this print was, was AWS, and, and as Kate said, I mean, they, they handily beat there. They, they guided to reacceleration continuing next quarter. So that was a big relief. 
But I think the biggest surprise out of the out of the quarter was the the regular old retail business because yeah we we were trained to start you know buying everything you know no matter how big or how small from Amazon during the pandemic but clearly that behavior has continued so I think the big surprise was North American retail sales came in at 105 billion versus expectations at 102 billion. And that led to an increase in, in uh, operating income. It was a $3 billion beat. So yeah. this is, is kind of an equal story now. The retail business that just continues to yeah. grow and grow, even in a mature market like North America. Do, you, do, you, do you own, I know you own Meta. I should ask, do you own Amazon? I don't own Amazon or Apple, but I own Meta. Okay, by the way, Amazon is the most picked, top pick of all the analysts on Wall Street, something that we showed off last week in some of our exclusive data. All right. Eric, again, ask you to sit tight because now we're going to complete the hat trick, dive into Apple's numbers. Steve Kovac is live from Cupertino, California. They're not getting Apple shares, not getting the bump like Meta and Amazon. I know it's early. You got to wait for the analyst notes to come out in the morning. But anything that's sticking out to you, Steve? Oh, absolutely, Brian. And a couple of things here uh, buried in the numbers. But the big headline, of course, that Apple wants to talk about is sales are growing again for the first time in a year. After a full year of declining sales, sales were up uh, about uh, 2% to over $119 billion. Uh, not a record quarter for a uh, holiday quarter for Apple, but still showing growth again after so much concern around that. But look, what is what is sending shares lower? One big thing is China. Sales in China were down 13%. And so I had I asked Tim Cook what was going on there uh, with those numbers and what they saw in China that caused such a steep decline. And uh, let me get, go over right now what he told me, uh, mostly blaming foreign exchange, telling me, quote, the dollar is very strong versus the RMB. And so that negative 13, that's a negative 13 percent, goes to a mid single digit number. So that's how we did on the phone last quarter. The good news is that we're four out of the top six top selling smartphones in urban China. Uh, look, also dragging shares, guidance. This was a really funky uh, guidance on the call from CFO Luca Maestri, not giving overall guidance or overall sales expectations, kind of talking specifically about the iPhone business. I'll, I'll blast through all the corporate speak for you, Brian, and basically saying expect weaker sales, especially on the iPhone in the March quarter. That's what a lot of analysts had been worried about going into this quarter. Um, but Let's talk about AI because uh, Apple has largely been out of this AI or generative AI boom uh, for the first time. Tim Cook on the call teasing that some kind of AI generative generative AI announcement is coming. Wouldn't give specifics, of course, but this is the first time that in a very specific way, at least uh, said something is coming. If I had to guess, that would be at the developers conference Apple holds every year here in Cupertino in June. So stay tuned for that. And then um, the Vision Pro. We are on the eve of the Vision Pro. I know you're excited, Brian, to try it here in a, in a few minutes. I can't wait to see your, your reaction to it. But I did press Tim Cook on it, what he sees there. Obviously, it's a great TV and movie experience. Uh, but he was also really excited about the enterprise and B2B use cases. He told me about virtual uh, surgery training that, that he's seen going on. He also talked about an app that Walmart is using that employees can kind of wear and uh, find out where to stock products product on shelves better and things like that. Uh, I will also note other competitors in the headset world have tried that. Microsoft has tried it. Google has tried it to, uh, with just massive failures there. Uh, but Tim Cook seems to think there's an opportunity for the Vision Pro in the enterprise world, not just the regular consumer world, Brian. We did already try it 
I'll save my comments for the live segment with Joanna Stern. It was interesting. It was cool. It's heavier than I thought, but we'll get we'll get more. Still, Steve, uh, I have a feeling we'll see you tomorrow as well. Steve Kovac, thank you very much. You got it. All right. Now to complete the tech hat trick is Eric Jackson. Eric, what's your take on, on Apple as a as a great company? But I mean, as a stock, as an investment. My mom called me after after tonight and said, what should I do with Apple? I'd say, you know, do nothing. Put it, keep it, keep it away in the lockbox. There's nothing wrong. Um, it doesn't excite me as a trade to jump into tomorrow. Uh, the, the China miss was the, kind of the worst part of, of the report, I think. But uh, everything else be, besides iPhone was kind of a whole hum um, and actually slightly missed expectations. But, you know, Apple's a king. They're going to come back. They've had wonky China quarters before. It didn't mean anything. They turn it around. Uh, I'm sure they will. I don't think the stock will do anything in the next couple of weeks. But a couple of weeks from now, would I sniff around and take a look and you know add it to the shopping list? For sure. There you go. I think well said. And Eric Jackson, we appreciate you doing triple duties on Meta, Amazon, and Apple. Eric, thank you. You got it. All right. So those are the three massive companies that kind of run the show, don't they? But they are not the only stocks in the market. I mean, at least not yet. So here's the macro view. How did your money do today? Pretty doggone good. The Dow almost up a percent. S&P up better than that. The Nasdaq up 1.3%. But the big winning group, small caps. The Russell 2000 up 1.4%. And don't look now, because we've been talking about small caps for a couple of months. The Russell 2000 has gained 18% in just 90 days. A quiet killer. All right, on to your studs and duds. The big winner of the day, Corteva, up 19%. It's a seed maker. Big demand for farmers because farming. The big loser, CH Robinson Worldwide, down 12.5%. Freight demand is falling. Let's take a look at futures as well, what the setup may be tomorrow, and it's kind of a mixed bag, but very thinly traded. All right, we are just getting going and coming up. Is it the regional banking crisis redux? What is happening now that you have to see, and it's got to do with a mountain of debt, plus an announcement just out on Jay Powell and where he is going to show up on Sunday. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, let's get out of tomorrow's news tonight. Some of the stories and headlines you and parts of Wall Street are going to be talking about tomorrow. First up, a big interview this weekend. Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell will sit down with 60 Minutes on CBS Sunday night. 
This comes after this week's Fed decision to hold interest rates steady. Powell is expected to answer questions on inflation and the overall economy. Next up, a big delay for Intel. Intel is pushing off the construction of its new $20 billion chip plant in Ohio. Company blames market conditions and the sluggish rollout of the CHIPS Act money from the government. Intel had previously expected it to be open starting next year, but now it's not scheduled to open until late 2026. Maybe that gets pushed back again. Shares of Intel down a bit after hours on the news. Next up, Mattel garnering the attention of activist investor Barrington Capital. Barrington's founder saying in a letter that he urges Mattel to consider selling off its Fisher-Price and American Girl doll units as kids move away from toys and toward video games. Mattel stock relatively flat over the past 20 years, which Barrington says is why they are making their recommendations for the company. And finally, a scoop from the New York Post. Billionaire Peter Thiel reportedly working to fund, get this, a version of the Olympics dubbed the Olympics on steroids. Literally, because in the vision, athletes would be allowed, maybe encouraged, to take performance-enhancing drugs. The company he's backing is called Enhanced Games. Thiel's expected to promote the new project during the Summer Olympics in Paris. I guess the upside is you don't have to worry about somebody cheating because everybody is. All right, on deck, from bad to worse, fears grow around another regional bank crunch. How much could your money be at risk? Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, welcome back to March. Because this week is looking a lot like last March when a bunch of regional banks took a nosedive. And while this week was not nearly as bad, we've had no failures, at least not yet. It's been very bad for investors, and the main culprit appears to be commercial real estate. If you haven't been paying attention, here's what's happened in just the last 48 hours. Shares of New York Community Bank, which despite the name, is actually a very big bank in the New York area, collapsing after it slashed its dividend and spooked the market. It's all about worries around commercial real estate and things like apartment and condo buildings having their debts go bad as prices in many big cities go down. NYCB has lost half its value in just two days. And that has been taking other banks down, too. And not just regionals, by the way. Wells Fargo, for example, it fell 2% today. And the big regional bank ETF, the KRE, seeing its lowest two-day performance since last year's Silicon Valley bank crisis. So with how things stand, is another regional banking crisis brewing? Joining us now is Whalen Global Advisors Chairman Christopher Whalen. Christopher, I, you know, whenever we welcome you on, I'm glad to see you. We have something bad to talk about. <laughs> I know. I hate, I hate we got to talk about good news at some point. Um, no. I kind of wonder, and I get how serious the NYCB news was, but was it serious enough to wipe out half that company's value and probably tens of billions in other banks' values? No, it wasn't. I think... Uh, 
you know, I own the stock. I like the company a lot. I've known the guys at Flagstar for years. They're a big player in residential mortgages. So I think they're growing into this new big bank role they have because New York Community Bank, let's face it, Brian, was kind of a sleepy local institution that financed apartment buildings. That's pretty much all they did. So I think part of this was how they managed it. They should have pre-announced some of this before earnings came out. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have their act together in a lot of respects. So I think they're going to work on that. But it's a great story, as you pointed out. This is a big player nationally in housing. And then Signature, you know, basically gave them $40 billion in core deposits overnight. And they got rid of all their high-priced market funding. So from a fundamentals perspective, it's a great story. The weird thing is they're mostly, to your point, apartments. And we know multifamily, I mean, rents have been up, not down. It's not like they, I'm, yes. sure, I'm sure they own a lot of commercial real estate debt, but primarily in housing, which has remained strong. They're not, they're not, they don't have a bunch of debt, I don't think, on a you know, bunch of you know, class B and C office buildings no. that are sitting empty that may never get refilled as people simply do not return to the office. Yeah, the MO for the local banks, you know, flushing these guys, or Apple, all the rest of them, has been multifamily. Now, having said that, the buildings are always fully let, Brian. You're right. But the question is, can the owners sell these buildings in the political environment that we're in in New York? The rent control legislation in 2019 really hurt this asset class a lot, so much so that the regulators are telling the banks to be careful. And to get out of this stuff. So multifamily after COVID particularly has been taking it on the chin because everybody forgot the limbs. And you know what? When they walk away from a building, what do the tenants do? They call the city in New York. You know? So that's where we are. A lot of these assets are impaired. And even if they're fully let, the the owner, quote unquote, who's got a mortgage, is so badly hurt that they may not stay in the game. They may just walk yeah. away. And I will leave it there, but I'm going to tell you just a very quick 10-second story. I, I talked to a guy last week that a building in New York sold for $800 a square foot a couple years ago, yep. just sold for $300 a square foot a couple weeks ago. The owner had to sell. It was in a distress lower than 50% of what they paid for it. And right. New York's finance department raised the taxes and raised the valuation of the building. But we'll get more yeah. on that next time you're on, Chris. They'll try. Yeah, the story will keep giving, believe me. Yeah, that, they're, raising, they're raising taxes even as building values are collapsing. Chris Whalen, thank you. All right, Have for more night. on this, thank you. You too, Chris. For more on this and more is Arkansas, Congressman and Vice Chair of the House Financial Services Committee, also in Subcommittee for Finance, and that is Congressman French Hill. I never thought we'd get a, a, a congressman from Arkansas here in our studio in New Jersey. Congressman, welcome. A pleasure, Brian. Good to be with you. Uh, how worried, if at all, are you about what's going on with commercial real estate and these, and these banks? Well, look, you've got the issue, first and foremost, of uh, inflation has hurt uh, the operation of real estate, real estate expenses. You've got a 40-year high in, uh, in interest rate shock that's taken place since 2021. And so adjusting, that's been tough. But in my view, the banks have been setting aside reserves uh, really since last year uh, for this. So I wasn't surprised by this, but many, many banks have been out in front of setting aside reserves based on the interest rate increases and the repricing risk. But uh, the second, I think the big macro trend there is just office itself is under a lot of pressure. Um, my final comments will be there are two things that the Biden administration shouldn't be doing. One, they shouldn't be encouraging 
rent control, which is a Democratic priority. They want more rent control instead of just here in New York. They want to spread that across the country. And secondly, this Basel III endgame, I think, is a pro-cyclical risk to the banking industry right at the wrong time. Why? Because we're a little bit in the weeds here. I know right. what it's good, but well, put it in layman's terms yeah. if you can. Well, guys. you're going to increase regulatory burden and regulatory cost and raise capital in a short period of time right at the moment when the commercial banking industry, particularly banks over $100 billion, are having trouble in making the reserves they need to cover these real estate loans that are, have gotten soft in, in valuations. Do you... Do you worry? And here, okay, and I, I don't want to make it too political. I understand you're you're a congressman, but I will say this: last year, Silicon Valley Bank collapsed very quickly. We had Silvergate Capital, more of a crypto-focused bank. I get it, and some others. Signature Bank collapsed. That called attention to the San Francisco Federal Reserve. They've got all the different. And I looked at the board of the San Francisco Fed, and it was somebody from the Oscars, you know, the the award ceremony. Somebody from the ports. The CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, I'm thinking, this is the, this is the, the Fed examiner. Do you feel like there are the, some of the regional Feds maybe asleep at the switch here? Well, I think Michael Investors Barr- just lost half their value in, in, a, in a big bank. Yeah. I think Michael Barr, the vice chairman of the Fed, came to the Congress last May and said as much, that they were asleep at the switch. These statistics that brought down Silicon Valley were in plain sight in the, in the uh, quarterly reports of those banks. Mm-hmm. They were not, their investment portfolio was too risky. They had 90% of their deposits and uninsured deposits. Those were bad decisions that they made in the face of a rising interest rate environment. So the examiner should have been out in front of that on interest rate risk and liquidity risk that those banks were taking. The same is true when it comes to asset quality and the commercial real estate industry. You cannot raise interest rates to a 40-year high at a steep curve and not yeah. have something break in the economy. And that's why I think good banks have been assessing their valuations of their portfolios and their refinance planning, really, since those interest rate increases started. So that's why I think a lot of people are out in front of being concerned Let about commercial real estate. Let me ask you this, in, in Little Rock. Yep. If you had a guy that had a, had a I'll, I'll, I won't say skyscraper for Little Rock, I'll say big building. A big building in Little Rock who bought it for 800 a square foot, the value collapses, he has to sell it in distress at 300 a square foot. So the, the transaction is clear. Would you raise his taxes? Because that's what New York City just did on at least one building. They're doing it on more because the city has to pretend that the buildings haven't lost the value because they can't do without the tax rate. No, of course, that kind of assessment. I mean, that's insane. It's insane. That kind of an assessment is nuts. You see CBD, Central Business Districts, have lower uh, people want to have fewer number of square footage from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And the valuation is obviously inverted with the interest rate increases. Interest rates go up, value of the property goes down. Those two things are a crunch, but you would not turn around and add misery by raising the assessed value. That's well, they, they, well, they are. They are yeah. The New York City, because if they, if they write it down, they're not going to get the tax revenue right. that they need. By the way, Jay Powell, I'm sure you've heard of him. He is going to be on 60 Minutes this Sunday. It's, it's a taped interview. It's what they do. What would you like to hear the Federal Reserve Chair say? I'd like for him to say uh, and give us a view for uh, and recognize that fiscal stimulus in this economy since Joe Biden was elected president has created this inflation and made his job tougher in shrinking the balance sheet 
and putting the pressure on the banks through a sharp increase in interest rates. If we hadn't had that fiscal inflation and fiscal stimulus by the Biden administration, in my judgment, on top of the surplus of money from the pandemic, I don't think we would have had this sharp well, so there was, To be fair, there were yep. supply chain impacts there were. as well, massive and I, ones. I, and there, would you, you would agree that 2021, which you probably voted for, was needed, correct? I do, but I think it was too much. It was over 50. What about 2021? No, I would not have. I think the American Rescue Plan and those spending, that was unnecessary. Because really we had the did. vaccine. You had the vaccine that come, coming out of Omicron. We had a 9% output decrease in GDP, but we had a 50% stimulus between the Fed's authorities and the fiscal spending by the mm. federal government. It was too much, and we created inflation. Congressman French Hill from Arkansas, good to see you on set here. Hey, Brian, great to be with you. Thank Thanks. you very much. All right, coming up, the Saudi Arabian curveball with a big signal on what may be next for energy prices. Halima Croft is up with that coming up. Hi. You're probably wondering why I'm leaning to the side. It's because I'm wearing Apple's new Vision Pro headset. And because I'm with Joanna Stern, her passcode for the iPhone is in front of my face. So if I'm looking straight ahead, all I see is the giant, you know, your your code on your phone. So I can't look directly at the camera and smartly Remember, you're, you're I'm not, there's no way I'm giving you my no passcode. way you're giving me your, your absolutely not. And I, you know who I learned that from you. I, thank you for listening. So I have to do this because otherwise this is the new Apple Vision Pro headset. And there is a giant screen in front of my eyes. You can't see it. I can. It's Ready Player One type stuff. I'm going to take this off. And it's, Joanna, thank good you. on you. What's that? You're looking good in that. It doesn't. Um, thank you for bringing it in. I got the battery pack here. I don't, I don't want to drop it. All right. You've had it for a while. I got to play with it a little bit earlier. It was neat. Um, you know, first thing is very cool. Here's a, we're going to run a quick clip because I was messing with it. And you can see what I saw on the computer. It was a, little, it was a game where like a little butterfly. That's what you see in front of your eyes. Okay, we've got YouTube. And th- there we go. There's a butterfly land on my hand. Wh- what are your takes so far, Joanna? Well, I love people's first impressions because it is pretty cool. When you first put that on, you're like, wow, right? My first impression was it was heavy. Okay, that, we're going to get to that <laughs> impression. Cool. But... When you first put this thing on and you put on other VR headsets, what's really amazing and you feel it when you do it is you don't have these clunky controllers in your hand. You're using your hands to navigate and your eyes. And that works pretty seamlessly. I mean, really, that's all you need. And then on top of that, you can do some pretty cool things. I mean, I've been working with all these windows up. I feel like I'm in Minority Report. I, I did do some cooking in here. This was a this has gone viral on the Internet. Were but you I, actually cooking? I no. actually was cooking. I wore these in the kitchen. But and, was it giving you, like, the recipe? It had in the, your... I had the recipe up on the right side of the kitchen, and I put little timers. I, here, we got some footage of it. You, I, see this. I, I put my timers right over the stove where I needed to know Okay. Ten minutes on the pasta, a few more minutes on the mushrooms. Okay. So you're going to see it here. But th- Using that freshly made barilla I see in the blue. In the, listen, it was cool. We did the dinosaur game, and you heard me in that little sort of vi- video. I was like, come back, little butterfly. I miss you. Because it was a butterfly. I was flying around, and I put my hand out, and the, the, the virtual butterfly 
landed on my hand. It knew where my hand was. I still miss that butterfly. Exactly. I know. You'll get back together with that butterfly. But, but, but this is what I'm saying is the difference. This is not all virtual reality. This is really bringing the digital to your real world. Now, you have to make a lot of compromises to do it. You pointed out the biggest one. Your head hurts. It's heavy. It's heavy. And look, I wear a helmet. I race cars. I get G-forces on my neck. And I, I'm like, I feel it. It, and it, look, you can wear it for an hour, a couple hours at a time. It's not going to hurt you. You'll be fine. I work for a lot more than that. And you, you, you wear on this thing. You've got a battery in your pocket. You took it out. That's another big sacrifice. You've yeah. got a battery hanging from your head. It's sometimes buggy. There's, I mean, they did announce today that there's 600 apps to start. That will only get better. But look, this is a first-generation Apple product. I is thought there, it was really cool, by the way. I mean, I, I can't. I want to play with it. A lot more, not this, you know, and, and, and I want to walk the streets of Rome and those kind of things. But it's 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 advertised at thirty five hundred. But as you say, you're really probably going to pay forty five hundred. You're going to pay some more probably, you know, up the storage. You're going to need to get the traveling bag because you're spending thirty thirty five hundred dollars on this thing. You want to travel around with it. By the way, I think traveling is going to be a huge thing with this. Well, why would you need to travel if you have this? Doesn't this replace the travel? Good point. Good point. But look. You, you can wear this on an airplane and get a full, full screen, get a huge theater screen and watch on there. One There's of my favorite things again. to do. Don't yeah. say your passcode because now we're actually live on national TV. Well, but like there's a lot of places where this could fit in your life. And as you can really see, as I say, the best thing this is right now, seeing the vision, seeing Apple's vision of where this is going to go. If, if I wore this on an airplane, I'm going to get some looks for a lot of different reasons. Okay? Yeah, for, yeah. And I'm waiting for the pers- first person. Now, how long does the battery last? So I'm on a flight. I just flew back from Phoenix yesterday, going two, to Houston tomorrow. Two and a half to three hours I've been getting, but you can also plug that thing in. I but mean, can I, I take this on the plane? Because they're always like, do you have any lithium batteries? Like, you, know. you should be able to bring this on the plane. I mean, I wanted to test it, but Apple has not let it test this travel mode yet. Stay tuned for that. Yeah, so 600 apps. And, you know, it's, it's, if, I wish people could see what I was seeing. And you can activate your stuff, and you gotta you got to align it when you first put it on. We have to go through kind of a calibration. It's not, it's not hard. And I think that the, it is so amazing when you first put this on, and I hope more people get to try it. I believe Apple's going to have some demo areas at their stores. Yeah. Maybe your, your rich You're gonna friend. You're going to have to demo it. You can go to, to your demo. rich friend's house and try it out. There you go. Or, or just have you on set. That was yeah. awesome. And you said I did good. You did really good. Thank you. You picked it up very Thank quickly. You. All right, that's it for us, folks. I'll see you on Monday. Have a great night wherever you are. Shark Tank is next. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.